from Lo-Fi Arts, this is Refigure with Chris and Reefa. A weekly dive into the arts, culture, tech and diversity. going to try and be normal this episode all right okay that's cool hello and welcome to the last episode of the current series of refigure yep it's the last one i'm reefer thanks for tuning in and i'm christopher what are we going to talk about today for this episode we watched the little drummer girl new tv series based on the john le Carre novel directed by park chan wook we've got a bulging post bag this week we do it's true do you watch I start with some? Yeah, you go first. All right, we've got. Um, we could alternate if you want. Alternate, evaporate. Okay. <laughs> Charlie Peverett says that he finds our enthusiasms illuminating, and it makes him feel infinitely cleverer. And he's going to watch some of the things we suggested on last week's show, which is excellent that's lovely thank you charlie one of the things i was sort of interested in talking about but it doesn't quite fall into our categories was for charlie's birthday he did a really long walk over the downs and i joined him for a bit of it two and a half three hours walking across the downs and it was really beautiful and i had this amazing autumnal day out with a small group of really nice people tramping across the Sussex Downs. Part of me wanted to chat about that, but it, it doesn't quite fit, does it? Was there any art, diversity, tech in there? Or culture no. at all? Unless you count unless you count nature as culture, no. which you don't no, there wasn't. Not today. Um I was gonna mention Paul Robert Lloyd got in touch and he was really nice. Webman, we know. But he <laughs> I can't remember what he does. But he didn't like the music. Paul doesn't like my, my lovely jingles and idents and things. He you was can't win them all, Chris. You can't, no. And apparently Helen Timpany was slightly taken aback by our podcast, which I apologise for now. Um, but uh, Simon is loving our work. Simon and Helen Timpany. Yeah. <laughs> That's their names now. That's their pen names. Go on, have you got another one? Sarah Tico was really nice about it. She's been enjoying it. And Andy Washington, who's been a regular oh correspondent, <laughs> he mentioned the typeface. Do you remember we had a conversation last week about the typeface? I call it a font, but yes, you can call it a typeface. Yeah, so I had a conversation with him about it. But he's still on board. Hi, Andy. He's still on the refigure train. He has. He hasn't given up yet. And also, Leanne Hall, electronic artist Leanne Hall, sent us a really nice message saying that she loves our podcast very much and she's a dedicated fan and listens every week oh wow lots to discover in the best company oh that's so nice she says i'm particularly the no she just says <laughs> you two are the best i reckon for season two we shouldn't do postbag anymore and i had an idea of what we could do instead okay which was like news like a little bit of the news headlines oh my god not of not of like political news but news of the things that are like a bit of culture news or the arts, a bit of tech news and a bit of diversity news. But that's what we do because we have to read those articles and stuff. Like, beep, 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 beep. Here are the news headlines in culture, arts, tech, diversity. It might work. All right. <laughs> it might do. But the thing is, we have to be true to the essence of the show and not start doing recipes and nature walks and makeup tips we can't do all that no that would be another podcast altogether 
I want to hear your makeup tips. All right. So, what have you been watching, Chris? John Le Carre's novel, The Little Drummer Girl, has been turned into a high-budget, glamorous, partly BBC, but also other companies. I think AMC has contributed in the States. Mini TV series directed by Park Chan-wook, who made The Handmaiden, which was one of your favourite films last year. I think it might be my favourite film ever. Wow. It's a really, really good film. It's a great film. So he's directed this TV series. It stars Michael Shannon, Alexander Skarsgård, and it's a breakout performance for Florence Pugh, who already made her name playing in the film Lady Macbeth. Daniel Lippmann's in it, Simone Brown's in it. It's the story of an actress, a sort of jobbing young bohemian actress in southern England who gets seduced and recruited by Israeli secret service to infiltrate a Palestinian terrorist cell. It's set in the uh, late 70s and it's a kind of slow burning, beautifully shot, uh, atmospheric, quite sexy thriller. I've been absolutely loving it, but I'm curious to know what you thought because I kind of already knew I was going to love it. Yeah, you're a bit of a Le Carre fan, aren't you, Chris? I do love John Le Carre. And we like a spy, don't we? We do. We like spy stuff. Yeah, I think it's all right. I think uh, the problem with BBC dramas is that they're so BBC looking and there's a sort of spectrum I'm noticing of like a proper like weirdo BBC stuff where there's hardly any set going on to slightly higher end BBC stuff where they've got plusher costumes and nicer furniture and more knickknacks and period dramas like this because it's the 70s so it is a bit of a period drama. I just notice a bit too much stuff that I should probably shouldn't like everybody's clothes look too new and the <laughs> furniture looks too like you know everything's just too polished and new and weird the 70s was grimy and dirty and people's the cities are should be more grimy I like seeing things where it's like uh in set in different cities reminds me a bit like Killing Eve of that kind of feel there is a little bit more humor in it than some of the BBC things we've tried to watch recently and it is Le Carre where it's got like stories within stories and you don't know what the hell's going on sometimes but it's not quite as complicated as Tinker Taylor I found it a bit uncomfortable thinking about like this portrayal of Palestinians and Muslims and this story keeps coming up in BBC dramas all the time you know like it's a regular thing that they love to portray it's like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict continually comes up as a thing that they love to put on the telly that's interesting I actually think the opposite I think obviously it's been really controversial how they concluded the Bodyguard series and that's Jed Mercurio that's the writer and the BBC does definitely there are some problems within the BBC that we could talk about separately to me this felt like there was almost no reference to Islam at all like they were Palestinian terrorists they weren't Muslim terrorists oh so far I mean it may change later on but there was a whole scene where they're talking about Jews and being Jewish so I feel like it was along the lines of religion it's of its time but I do think that Le Carre stuff is quite problematic sometimes and this has been commissioned by the BBC it's being shown on the BBC it's not modern it's a 1970s story about the Jewish experience of what's going on in Israel 
So it's all from that point of view. I would totally agree with you. If we'd watched The Bodyguard and we got to the end of The Bodyguard, and as we all know, there's two stereotypes of Muslim women at the climax of The Bodyguard. It doesn't have to be But that's to do with explicit. the writer. And that's I know. To do with the... But what I'm saying is, it's about what we what do we want to see on our screens now? I don't particularly need to see this stuff. If we're going to have fantasy or political stuff, let's talk about what's going on in the... You know, something a bit more... You can't watch these things about the Middle East, even if it's a drama set in the 1970s, without the context of what's happening in Syria and what's happening so close to Europe now. That's a reason to cover this show. It shows us a bit of history. Arguably, the BBC would run a mile from doing a fiction based on Israel-Palestine, except that it's got the heavyweights that it's got make it. I bet there's no way the BBC went, oh, let's make a, a historical piece of spy drama about Israel and the Palestinians. They wouldn't have done it. It's only because Le Carre is a really hot property. They did The Night Manager and that was really profitable and made them loads of money over. I mean, it's not... I'm just going to turn the mic towards me so you can stop shouting. I'm sorry, you're already louder than oh, me. What I want to say is I think the director is making it more interesting than it is to me I think it's actually come quite compelling and it could be a bit funnier <laughs> so this week we also watched the second season of great news which, if you're a fan of 30 Rock, it's not as good as that, but it's quite fun. Its showrunner is Tracy Wigfield, who was one of the main writers on 30 Rock, which has already, you know, won loads of awards, and now she's got this show. It's a bit more conventional, behind the scenes of a news programme. So one of the producers of the show is a young single woman, and her mum, who's a kind of meddling matriarch, decides to get a job as an intern at her work and all kinds of manner of farcical things ensue. And in the first series, everyone was pretty much a caricature of what you'd find in any office in the world. The English boss who's a bit stuck up and the crazy single girl, one of the presenters who's an it girl, who happens to be played by Nicole Ritchie. And it's only in this series that the characters are being fleshed out a bit more. There's a nice sort of dynamic between the two presenters and the dynamic between the mother and daughter is quite interesting as well and there's a bit of romance in this series anyway it's quite soapy it's not hilarious but it's adequate i mean it's a it's an all right kind of thing i think at the moment the second series of a lot of programs we've been watching whether it's the good place or kimmy schmidt and those sort of things they really struggle with kind of how they're going to expand the storyline and I think the first episode of The Good Place they could have run with that whole premise of her being in the wrong place and not and and thinking that they've got the wrong person in heaven and then it goes super surreal and each series is completely different so um yeah I'm quite enjoying that whereas the great news is uh particularly um farcical what do you think about it Chris? So we actually gave up the first season after about four episodes because it felt too broad and stupid. And it is so much along the 30 Rock template of ensemble, broad comedy. I see Tina Fey in three of the characters. So you've got Tina Fey as the young go-getting girl who's a bit 
ditzy and she doesn't know what she wants out of life and she wants to work really really hard but she also wants a man and she also wants to get on with her mum and she's just really annoying sometimes and then I see Tina Fey as the mum as well and the mum's like really irritating meddling wants the best for her daughter but also is muddling meddling with everybody's lives but also is completely crazy and does weird things in order to save face and then Tina Fey herself pops up as this Sheryl Sandberg type character who's like this amazing go-getting woman who's got it all and acts like a man and to get what she needs and it's just hilarious because yeah all of these tropes of the same character caricature in three different ages of woman if you like so do you think it's her influence is so big on the show that basically two of the other main characters were already kind of playing her i don't know they're all very similar character that's what i think like anyway at least they're trying to have like a bit of nuances with that you know they're turning some of those tropes on their head i love john michael higgins oh i love (laughs) i love john michael higgins chuck pierce character who is this kind of spoof of the bumptious up himself veteran newscaster vain but weedy who can't do anything else who cannot exist outside being the kind of alpha male newscaster and in the real world is absolutely useless and it slightly puts me off that his delivery and mannerisms sound a little bit like a real journalist who I very much admire a guy called John Dickerson who British people listening probably won't know but in the States is a is a major sort of um, TV news character who's a man of like real beautiful gentle wisdom but he comes across a little bit like him and it's a little bit awkward also I wanted to say I think Nicole Richie's performance in this is the best thing about it she she's really funny she's clearly a decent actor there's an episode where they talk about diversity, okay? And it's really poignant and it's brilliant. And they they all go for um, unconscious bias training and the two older people in the in the room, they can't understand why they keep failing at the course, right? And everyone else, and they think it's everyone else's problem. And it's just really beautifully done because this is what every office in every corporation, in every country is going through right now that's trying to sort of do the right thing. And there's one bit in it where the uh, the presenter that you were just talking about... Chuck Pierce. ...says to the other guy in the room and Nicole Richie's character... Portia, she's called. ...says, you know, what are we white Americans going to do? What have we got to do? And the blonde one goes, well, actually, I'm, I'm British, so I'm different. I'm not... I'm not American, right? Like, that's the thing. Yeah. And, um, and then Nicole Richie says, and I'm half black. And that is just brilliant. I just think that's beautifully done within the series. It doesn't have to be a big deal, but it's just part of that particular episode where he just says who she is. All power to that, I think. So that is great news. It's done two seasons and it's on Netflix. And it is pretty funny. I mean, solid what seven out of ten or something it's a different kind of funny the people that make me laugh in it are nicole richie in it and yeah she's the, she is the best thing about this show actually in the good place as well it's always jamila jamil that just makes me laugh every single time our relationship with the good place is really funny because we've gone from absolutely loving it to giving up on it because we couldn't get into it to restarting it and finding it utterly shit but kind of plowing through because we were bored to now 
really loving it again. What so, I uh, like sometimes is the it's just the kind of funniness of, of Jamila Jamil's character of like the Pratt Falls and all of that. And the fact that the diversity is ingrained in the whole series. So there's demons that are all different colours. There's not there's nothing about any of the characters that that is conventional at all. However, it's sometimes just not very funny because it's just <laughs> lot of sometimes they're just all sitting around talking and ted danson's character is just beautiful in it um but he can just play anything in any any scenario <laughs> he's great isn't he like when he plays himself in um in curb your enthusiasm yeah. he's really oh, good it's just great what are you reading for what are you reading for what are you reading for although i've enjoying norseman but we're not talking about that this week so, what are you reading for, Chris? I've just started Homo Deus by Yuval Harari, and obviously it's quite inspiring and it's beautifully written and immediately got some interesting ideas in it, but I'm not far enough into it to really talk about it. I'm going to talk about this quirky old children's book that I have read over the past few days. It's a book by Beverly Nichols called The Tree That Sat Down, and it was originally published in 1945, and then it was sort of republished... I think she sort of rewrote it and tidied it up in the 70s and published it again. And that's when I first read it would be when I was really small. And it's the first of a series of three or four books. And it's kind of somewhere between Enid Blyton and Winnie the Pooh, except it's also got a kind of quite fierce American left-wing sort of uh, underpinning. It's very anti-capitalist, but it's still um, quite American, which makes it quite an odd book. It's about a little girl and her granny running a shop in and under a willow tree in the magic forest. And they sell all these weird things like nicely wrapped up gift boxes of dreams, of good dreams and stuff. (laughs) Then along comes this horrible lad called Sam and his granddad, and they start another shop in a rival shop in an abandoned car called the shop in the ford and they're really horrible and they turn all the animals of the wood against judy and her gran it's yeah it's literally that stupid and yeah it's uh yeah it's got some really intriguing dark confusing and difficult ideas in it it's got wickedness portrayed in a really interesting way what age is it for do you know what? I don't know. Ten I mean, it's a, it's presented as a kids' book. It's a the Collins modern classics are like all these classic kids' books, like Harriet the Spy and The Indian in the Cupboard and Mary Poppins. And this is what presented as one of those. Not that sort of Indian in the cupboard. <laughs> I did really love Enid Blotton's um, Magic Faraway Tree. It didn't last for me, and we didn't have them in the house, so I can't remember how I got hold of a copy. But I loved the far away, one of the Faraway Tree books when I was really small. But then quickly became aware that it was bad and then never read her again oh yeah and i really liked alice in wonderland but that's kind of some of it's quite dark as well so you'd recommend this is it a series yeah there's another one which i'm gonna have to try and get hold of called the stream that stood still and uh, that's the one i'm i may be even more excited about that i have such a vivid memory of this girl i think it's the same girl turns herself into a fish in order to take on an evil pike. See, Mary Poppins is pretty dark as well, the books. You're right. I mean, we do have, like, in Victorian England, or even before that, it's, it, you have darkness. All nursery rhymes about the plague and whatnot. Uh, what are you reading, Reefer? I'm reading a book by this really nice smiley lady called Michelle Obama. She used to be married <laughs> to the President of the United States. 
they've just done the Obama summit, which was in um, Chicago, and it's sort of all around celebrating the new Obama Foundation campus that they're building, which looks blooming amazing, like for the community in the south side of Chicago. She is uh, on tour at the moment, old Michelle, banging on about her new book. She's coming to the UK in December, uh, South Bank, she's playing, and she's talking to us. She's just doing a gig. This book is, uh, I've only just started it, I'm up to where her and uh, Obama are dating, Barack are dating. But what's interesting about it is that she comes from the south side of Chicago, she's she just everything's really sweet about it she's a pretty serious young person and she talks about that quite um with um a lot of self-awareness about how she has a very loving family even though she's poor working class they sort of drum into her ways for her to do well at school but also how to be independent and how to uh, be resilient as well and she's growing up in a very black working class environment and there is crime in her area and uh, she talks a bit about how in the early 70s there was a kind of they called it the white flight where it was very diverse when she was growing up in her in primary school but by the time she gets to high school most of the white families have moved out to the suburbs and it's predominantly a black neighborhood now she talks about in a kind of way that like there's nobody in her family is involved in crime she's got a very strong grandmother figure who lives in the house and her parents are really hard working but they also I love this thing about they sort of she knows she's loved but they're not over what's the word they're kind of neutral in her and her brother's lives which I find really interesting because some books that you read biographies about, say like Beyonce or the the Williams sisters, they've got like this really strong character, like the father figure who's like pushing them to yeah, driving excellence. driving them forward, yeah. Or you've got like more harrowing stories like Maya Angelou or Oprah Winfrey transcending their horrific childhoods and blooming anyway. And that kind of drives them forward to being different in their lives. Whereas Michelle Obama's life is pretty kind of ordinary in lots of ways. I was continually thinking something bad's going to happen because I'm sort of primed for somebody who's black in America for the dad to die in some horrible way or some awful racist thing to happen or somebody in her family to be awful to her. But she sails through, you know, she has really good grades, really lovely friends, really, she's like friends at one point because she goes to a, a, a nicer school in the middle of Chicago. One of her friends is uh, Jesse Jackson's daughter. So she starts mixing with celebrities and people who are activists early on. Gets a place in Princeton. All her boyfriends are really nice to her. She's just aware of herself as being very serious-minded. When she meets Barack, she starts to loosen up a bit and is aware that he's much more um, carefree than she is. And her time at Princeton as well, you know, being one of the few African-American students is kind of uh, glossed over a little bit as well. She sort of goes, yeah, I had a good time there, had some friends and it was good. (laughs) And then I went and got an amazing job in a law firm. And it's kind of, I suspect it's very well edited because they've spun some gold out of this and it reads really nicely and it's an easy read. But, you know, I'm only a few chapters in, so let's see how it pans out. But yeah, I I like her, but... But there's no struggle we just yet. I mean, there is. There's an ordinary working class struggle that we understand in this country. And lots of us have that um, experience. 
but she's not quite banging on about it. It's it's actually she's really humble. It's just really sweet. Oh. It's just a sweet biography. There's no bad things that. The worst thing that happens is they drive over to a white neighbourhood to visit their very light skin friends who who happen to be passing which is a horrible phrase but but nobody in the white neighborhood knows that their family are black until they all pile up in this massive buick that her dad absolutely loves this car and then when they get back in the car he realizes that there's this massive scratch on the side that somebody's clearly done and that's the kind of racism but it's not like a huge violent thing that happens in her childhood it's the microaggressions it's the it's the small things that build up and she's not in denial about any of that she didn't have to experience things or even talk about them in this book in order for us to understand that she is a black woman experiencing life in america and she comes from generations of people that have suffered i'm not negating that i'm just saying in this particular book it's quite light and that's your lot that was good do you have anything to plug what shall i plug it's christmas soon (laughs) that's it On the 1st of December, I'm speaking at From Me To You conference at Rich Mix in London. I'll be talking about dealing with giving up and failure. It's a music industry conference and sort of specially oriented at DIY artist type entrepreneurs. And um, it's 10 quid and uh, you can get tickets from richmix.org.uk. That's richmix.org. Dot UK starts at noon Saturday the 1st of December I think after I've done that I'm going to go to the clock that we talked about last week or the week before and I'm going to go and watch it overnight that's going to be really exciting or maybe I won't depends on uh, how I feel also we are DJing at oh no no one can get tickets today it's sold out so I won't tell them about that that's alright um, I'm DJing at the Carter USM record launch that's what I'm talking about. I yeah. know, I'm just saying. Boat party. I'm just saying. Carter USM boat party. See you there. I'm going to wear my gym t-shirt. But no one can go because it's sold out. That's all right. Just it's telling good them though, anyway isn't it? for the people that are coming. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening over the past few weeks. We've had a load of fun. It's been great. It's been really good. That was definitely pop worthy. We're going to take a few weeks off. We will be dropping two or three extra one-off episodes. A Christmas o- one. Yeah, over the Christmas special season. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to do some jingles. So look out for those. They should just... Hopefully you've subscribed and liked and given us a nice review and all that stuff. If you haven't, please do and tell your friends. And then we'll be back probably in early spring with season two. And we will be making some changes. What changes are you going to make, Reefer? That's the one. Very good. Um, thank you so much to every single person that's ever downloaded our podcast it really means a lot we sit here jibber jabbering and for you lot to listen it's really nice thanks a lot for telling us you like the show goodbye and goodbye from me (laughs) jingle 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 Fly up.